What's going on? This is the Leafs Convo Podcast. My name is Norman James. Thanks so much for being aboard for this episode. I have to ask, how do you listen to us on YouTube? The YouTube channel is blowing up. It is banging. Make sure to like and subscribe to that channel if you haven't done so, by the way. What about Radio Public, iTunes, Anchor? However you're supporting this podcast with your ears and your minds, we appreciate it so much. Our good friend Mike Agello is standing by. He and I are going to discuss your reaction to our recent podcast focused on the one and only Jake Gardner. He is a pariah. He is a superstar. He is a polarizing figure. Why can't we all just come to terms on a general consensus for Jake Gardner? Mike and I will discuss. Plus, one of his recent items focuses on the Leafs' bottom-pairing defensive unit. Does it matter, or is it just as important as the top pairing, of which Jake Gardner is most likely a part of? Mike's ready to go. I'm ready to go. I know you're ready to go. So what do you say? Let's pod. The Leafs combo starts right now. And here he is, the newly minted mayor of Cheektowaga, New York. <laughs> the Honorable Michael Agello. Hello, sir. <laughs> Good morning, Norman. Yeah, I don't even know if we have a mayor in Chickawaga. It's such a small town that I don't. I think we have a town council. <laughs> a town council, and you're not running things down there. No, 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 not interested at all. Yeah, just just laying low. But you're certainly running thing when it, running things when it comes to ho- hockey reports and hockey ideas. Mike, you're fantastic. Uh, we have uh, so many people who traffic the YouTube page Leafs Convo. Please subscribe. Do it right now. And uh, so many of them are just impressed with everything that you are contributing to this project. And I am one of them. So thank you very much for that, Michael. Our latest talking about uh, different scenarios regarding Austin Matthews and and his uh, contract negotiations with the Maple Leafs. But we did get onto the topic of one Jake Gardner. And of course, it's a very um, polarizing topic because you have a faction of fans who believe he is overrated. Mm-hmm. He's a bonehead. He makes big mistakes. He's a liability. And then on the other hand, you have a a group of Jay Gardner supporters who will point to the the metrics and the data, and they will say, "Look, it's ironclad. You can't argue this. The the cat is one of the best defensemen in the league, and don't make judgments on his overall game and his contributions to the team based on." Um, that shit show of a game seven versus the Boston Bruins. So, Michael, um, a couple of days out from our last podcast, and obviously knowing what you know about Jake Gardner, has anything changed from your end? No, in, in fairness to the, the two camps as you described them, I think they're, they're both right um, in the sense that offensively, you know, he's a 50-point defenseman. He had, I think, in the 40s the year before, and if he puts up another 50-point year, he's going to hit it big in free agency for teams that need an offensive defenseman. But as you termed, he's a disaster in his own end. And, you know, it was that, that coming-of-age year last year where he really, you know, stepped up was because Babcock was playing him in sort of protected minutes, not playing mm-hmm first lines last year he did that less and that showed and obviously the uh the the disaster in game seven showed so it's all a question with the with the Leafs uh regarding Gardner is if they can get him signed for an amount that they think is reasonable and if they can't 
then he's going to leave. And it's a question of whether he's going to leave by trade or they're just going to let him walk. And I, I get the sense that they're not going to let anybody walk. If they can get assets for a player, they're going to trade the guy. So it's a question of that's if that's going to happen before the season, which is less and less likely because the, the summer is pretty much done in terms of big transactions, although you never know. Or if it's going to happen closer to the deadline because they can rent him someplace else and get a good return. So, but we know that the Leafs are going to want to be competitive mm-hmm. in the Cup, and giving up Gardner at that point is not consistent. That's why I keep saying I think they're going to go out and get a defenseman, and if they do that, then maybe they can move Gardner in a corresponding move. This is the Leafs combo, Norman James with Mike Jello. The idea that we are pushing potentially moving Jake Gardner, considering what's coming up with his free agency, how much money he'll get paid, is propagated, for the most part, by the pipeline of defensemen the Leafs boast right now and how many of them are playing in the mold of a Jake Gardner. So it's not like you're going to be devoid of a puck-rushing, offensive-minded defenseman. You have several of them within the organization. And that is why... We look at someone like Jake Gardner, considering everything he's up against, we believe that he could bring back not a king's ransom, but um, something nice in terms of a transaction. My question, Mike, is why don't the Jake Gardner supporters who really love the guy and who think he's all world and who, who should he should be untouchable, why don't they see it from this perspective? It's more about managing your assets properly as opposed to you know pedestalizing a guy based on how much we like him and how much this, the spreadsheet says that he's fantastic. I, I can't explain their their viewpoint. I've never been someone, uh, even as a fan going back in the day, who, you know, other than a guy like Wendell Clark, and there's a reason that you put a, a Wendell Clark up on a pedestal because he was, you know, uh, a five foot 11, 180 pound guy taking on six foot four guys, beating them up, scoring goals. Yeah. He did everything, and if his body didn't give up on him, he would have been, I, I believe, a Hall of Famer. But, you know, Jake Gardner, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying Jake Gardner is not a good player. I think the people who have, uh, you know, I, I've gotten feedback on regarding Gardner says, oh, you know, you just hate him because of this. I'm like, no, I don't hate him at all. I, I just think that he is a sort of a one-dimensional player, and he's 27 going on. Tw- I think he actually mm-hmm. he turned 28. Um, and at 28 years old, you are what you are. And I, I don't think that there's going to be some sort of renaissance or some sort of eureka moment where all of a sudden he's going to become Rod Langway. He's not a good defensive defenseman. His defense is his ability to carry the puck and counterattack mm-hmm. the other day. But, you know, in certain instances when when the team that's attacking you and he is in the zone, that's a problem. And I think, you know, a key – uh, as you mentioned regarding development of players, I mean, is going to be Travis Dermott in his sophomore year being able to take on some of the responsibilities of Jake Gardner. He's going to start on the bottom pairing. If he moves up into a top four role, or if, they, if Mike Babcock thinks he's capable of moving mm-hmm. up into a top four role, then I think the likelihood of okay. being traded happens. This is the Leafs Combo, Norman James with Mike Ogello. Please subscribe to our YouTube page. We are rocking and rolling every time Mike and I collab and put another podcast on wax. We lose subscribers based on our opinions of Jake Gardner, which aren't really um, that stark or that controversial. He's a fantastic player. And if the Leafs want to keep him in the fold for the rest of his career, possibly, then go for it. 
The question is, how are you going to get support for him? The way this defense is constructed right now, there are too many flaws in it to support a Stanley Cup run at this point. I mean, clearly the team is destined for another 100-point season. They're going to score a whole bunch of goals, but it doesn't matter how much offense you have. At some point, you're going to need to batten down the hatches. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, if Jake Gardner has a eureka moment somehow in summer hockey and it all clicks for him and the guy becomes the the best two-way player in the league, that that would be f- incredible, uh, but that would be uh, almost miraculous because based on his track record, we, we shouldn't expect that. So I would say to the j- people who love Jake Gardner, this has nothing to do with the fact that he's a statistic. He's a statistic wonder boy. He needs support back there defensively. How are the Leafs going to get that other than moving out an asset that they have a surplus of? And the asset that you would move out of his ilk would either be a Jake Gardner right now, or you would move out some of the younger players who are forming into the mold of a Jake Gardner. And that would be also a contentious issue. We don't hate Jake Gardner. We just want to see this team win a Stanley Cup. And if that means move Jake Gardner out for uh, a better defensive player who can um, support the younger Jake Gardner 2.0s coming up through the pipeline, then by golly, you have to go ahead and do it. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be very interesting to see. And like I said, I, I, the, the the most interesting uh, thing to track will be the progress of Travis Dermott. Um, I, I think the other thing that will um, maybe in, indicate that there is some well, let, let's just say this. I, I have talked to some people who believe that one way or the other, this is Jake Gardner's last year in Toronto. Um, it's not not you know not etched in stone, but I, I believe that to be the case with with the impending extension of Austin Matthews with what Mitch Marner could earn on a new deal next summer with Neilander uh, getting signed. I just don't think, based on what I think Gardner will make in free agency mm. next summer, they can afford Jake Gardner. So that's why I think this is his last year. One of your latest articles, Mike, is also focused in on the defense, but not necessarily the, the, the top end of the core, but the back end of the core. And let's be honest, um, every single position on a, on a hockey team right now, especially one with championship aspirations, is important. And you know, when it comes to Maple Leaf fans and their love of team and their interest in every aspect of that team, the bottom pairing of the defensive unit is just as talked about as the top pairing, Mike. Yeah, well, I mean, it's accepted that the the, the top four right now is etched in stone going into training camp, Riley and Hainsey, Zaitsev and Gardner, and more, more than likely, unless he just really has a terrible training camp that Travis Dermott will be on the bottom pairing. It's a question of, you know, who the other person will be and who the usually one or two defensemen will be in reserve. And I looked at, at the, the situation and, you know, right now the assumption is that Connor Carrick will be the, the bottom pairing uh, right D alongside Dermott. But, you know, Connor Carrick has been, with the Leafs for well now like two and a half seasons and really hasn't locked in a position. He's been like the seventh defenseman he's played off and on. I mean, he played more last year than this most recent season. And I mean, there are openings here. And I, as I, as I wrote yesterday for hockey buzz, you know, I chronicled, you know, uh, Justin Hall and Rosen and Andreas Borgman and Igor Ozaganov and even, 
Martin Marinson as options. And I don't think that Marinson is a realistic option because I think the organization has finally come to the realization that he's just not an NHL defenseman, but you know, there is some flexibility there because Dermott has played right defense. Rosen has played right defense in the SHL. So if a, if it was a lefty that makes the team, they could move over and have somebody play on their offside. But, you know, I, I can't say who's got the inside track. I think, like I said, I think because he's a veteran, more experienced, you know, Carrick will have the first chance. But what happened last year is what I think is going to happen this year. You're going to have sort of a extended, um, you know, look yeah. at a lot of these guys. They're going to carry probably eight defensemen, and I think Babcock is going to rotate Borgman, Rosen, Carrick, Ozaganoff, you know, rotate them in and out of the lineup and decide which one he likes. And then maybe by the midpoint of the season, he tells uh, Kyle Dubas, I need somebody else or mm-hmm. I can go with this guy. But it's it's really it's it's going to be an evolving process. If the bottom end of the defensive core is an experiment, you have to believe the top end must must be ironclad, Mike. And that's and that's where that's where I struggle because um, you know I my my reservations regarding Gardner are well known, but I, I'm actually a believer that Nikita Zaitsev will bounce back. A lot of people aren't. A lot of people soured on that deal after last year, but there were injury considerations and other things off the ice that I think were factors, and I think he will bounce back. And it, you know, it was his sophomore year in the NHL, and we know sophomore slumps are a reality because it happens a lot. My my main area of consideration and concern is is Ron Hainsey after playing all the minutes he played last year after playing penalty killing as much he seemed to wear down at the end of the year and I can't see this team not relying on that defensive pairing as a matchup against Mm. other top lines I think the most solid uh, move would be being able to move Hainsey down to that bottom pairing maybe pair him with Dermot if they get that defenseman that they're looking for but that again we yeah. don't think that's going to happen yeah. Ron Hainsey should be nowhere near the top pairing on a team like the Maple Leafs that aspires to win a championship this coming season I agree I agree and uh, and also I, I, I did leave out that Morgan Riley has played the offside as well so if there is a trade out there for a left-hand shot defenseman or if they wanted to go after a Tobias Enstrom or somebody like that who are still out there uh-huh. as they could move that around I mean there's there is some flexibility I do know that you know Mike Babcock at one point in Detroit had six left-hand shots uh-huh. line so you know it right now is can you add in a one year window, which they have with all this cap space, can you add somebody without giving up somebody else that can help this defense? There are probably still a few options in free agency. There might be a few options in trade. Then that's you know, that's gonna be the question that continues to be asked to Kyle Dubas probably throughout the year. I hope the consensus is that the Leafs defense is a work in progress and has too many warts at this point to be considered an elite defense and one that can backstop a team to a Stanley Cup championship. And the question I would ask people who want to see Gardner shipped out and those who want to see uh, Gardner's bronzed and added to the legend's row, what do we need to do right now to make this defense better? Is it all about just developing more Jake Gardners and having a bunch of 51s running around out there? Or... If you think this team needs to be defensively sharper and defensively uh, more astute, how do you go and do that 
for this season? How do you go and make those alterations to the defensive unit right now? How do you do that? And if you think you can do that and keep number 51, then I want to hear it. And I, and you noticed the name that I didn't mention, all the names that I listed off. It was Timothy Lilligren because I, I am – fairly convinced that this organization is looking at this season as another developmental year where he's going to stay with the Marlies, probably see an increased role, probably go to go to uh, the world junior in Vancouver and Victoria in December and play for team Sweden and get top three minutes. And maybe at the end of the year, if they think he's matured enough, maybe they bring him up and give him a look. But I I don't think that they're relying on Liljegren as an option with the Leafs and they're just going to use this again as a developmental season yeah i hate the way these players become divisive icons that split the the fan base up it's the analytics crowd versus just the hockey fan crowd and i mean we're all hockey fans i think we all want to see the team win i think sometimes i look at the analytics crew and i think they just seem to like players more than they like the team right when are we going to get into an argument over who's better austin matthews and john tavares and the analytics crowd is pulling out numbers to support oh, it's, it's uh, Austin Matthews. He's, he's the best. And John Tavares isn't really that good. It's coming. You know, when it, when it's it, coming. Um, yeah. The, yeah. And, and uh, the, I think there's always been, there's always been a divisive quality in fan bases. You know I mean? I, I can remember, you know, back in the Yankees days, Mantle or Maris or who's the best, the best, yeah. this, who's the best that it's like, you know, is Jared Jeter or is a rod better or yeah. whatever. I mean, that, 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 I think that's natural. It's only in the last few years as it has it come to analytical or non-analytical. And, uh, you know, I, with, with Gardner, it's like, to me, he is proof that numbers alone are not an accurate indicator of the quality of a player because based on the numbers, Gardner is supposed to be great and he is good. He is not great and he never will be great if he doesn't improve defensively. And I don't think that's ever going to happen. If Kyle Dubas could 3d print Scott Stevens in his prime and put him beside Jake Gardner. Great. But Jake Gardner is on an Island. He needs defensive help that. Only he can get, and the only way he can get that is to be transacted um, in, in, a, in a, a, tr- a trade. And I just don't – he's either going to be here and this team is going to continue to have its flaws or you're going to use him to go and get uh, what you're looking for, bring that piece back, and have the Jake Gardners uh, who aspire um, to, to, to fill the role of 51 uh, elevate their game. And then you might have another argument over – whether this team is offensive minded or not. Uh, Mike, we got to go. Thanks, Norman. You've got to love that Mike uh, Jello. His wisdom and insight when it comes to the Maple Leafs is second to none. We appreciate his involvement in this little project we call the Leafs Convo Podcast. And a big thank you to you for supporting what we are doing. Nearly 1,200 subscribers on the YouTube channel, 50,000 downloads on our podcast platforms, all in the span of less than four months. It's an incredible thing. Do you have any constructive criticism for us? Comments? Ideas? Things you'd like to see on future episodes of TLC? Get at us through the YouTube comment section. We'll read what you have to say. We'll process it and put your plans, your hopes, your dreams, your wishes for the podcast into motion. For Mike Hodgello, I'm Norman James. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.